This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. It's our good mate Dylan Hartley, former England captain, of course. He is bound for Dubai in the next six weeks. He will be relocating his whole family here as he gets set to begin life, of course, as men's director of rugby at Dubai Sharks. I caught up with him. We're going to focus on England. So much to get through. I had to find out, though, from Dylan if they were as bad as they certainly looked from the comfort of my sofa. I think that the outcome was, was worse than the, the performance, if I'm honest. Um, I think losing an international flight half before the game and Quade Cooper of that sort of quality, England should have been salivating, licking their lips, thinking this is, this is you know, dead rubber, this is their game in the bag. So just that sort of upset to Australia would have got, would have got me going. But then for them to go to 14 men, and then to, they, they, were, they were dropping like flies at one point. Like it was all in England's sort of favour. They had the ascendancy. They were actually playing and making dents. They were on the front foot. It just wasn't coming to anything. They didn't get paid, basically. Every time they, they entered Australia's half, they, they, they were making dents over the game line, over the game line, but they didn't come away with anything. And then the, Australia obviously stuck in it. Their belief kind of grew. And they're a good side, you know, when they when they got their chances, they took them. So England will be kicking themselves the fact that every time they got the ball, they got good ruck speed, got over the game line, made dents, they just didn't do anything with it. And that's what they'll be upset with. But, um, I mean, hats off to Australia. They, they've been looking for a victory for, for a while now. Um, not only over England, uh, I think eight in a row, they're on the, the back yeah. foot there. So I think just on the international stage, they're looking for a victory. So, um, now nah, and... The other thing, just to, to cover it off, if this series was going to go England's way, that was the game to win. You know, the opening game um, to keep the kind of team invested and interested um, in Perth, which isn't like a stronghold of Australian rugby. You know, it's on the other side of the country. Um, that was the game for them that they needed to take. So um, unless they kind of fight back this week in Brisbane, which is, you know, that is their stronghold. It's a hell of a place to go. Um, it's going to be a long tour for them. You, you talk about England not taking their chances, Dylan. It, do you see much more? Uh, again, I'm, I'm conscious you've played with a lot of these boys. You don't want to be too critical. You want to be balanced. You want to be fair, as any good pundit would be. But I can't help but look at that England team and I shake my head. I shake my head at Farrell at 12. And, you know, there's been this suggestion that he's, he's straight-jacking Marcus Smith a little bit. Where do you sit on that? What else are you seeing that you think, my golly, that's got to improve? Or what are we coming up to 12 months out now? from a World Cup there's work to be done for that England team I don't want to get too technical um, on, on the, the radio but if, if anyone understands this England England look okay there's all this shape out the back this play out the back the fancy stuff with you know Farrell receiving the ball pulling it back to Marcus Smith to give him time and space to, to, to make plays but England looked their best when they actually went through Australia yeah. when they played front line and the one time they actually played really direct and threw them, they chipped away, chipped away. Then Tom Curry made quite a big break and it came to nothing. So they didn't get paid off the back of it. And um, a, a good friend of mine who, who's, who's currently injured, um, plays fly half, uh, has played for England. I'm not going to give away any names here. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll say George Ford gave me a text and said the boys need to play more direct and through them. And that's coming from him. So it's not even my own sort of analysis. It's from from a fly half. But um, England look good when they're far more direct because if you look at the team that they picked, they've got the big lumps in there. You've got Courtney Laws at six. You've got Billy Von Apollo back in the side. You know, Mara Toja, Johnny Hill, they aren't renowned ball carriers, but every time they got the ball, they were making yards. 
you know, Alice Genge will always fight and make yards. But um, yeah, I think I think that was telling. There was too much sort of play out the back trying to create stuff, and it looks good. But England look good when they're direct. They stick to what I would see English rugby identity is: good set piece, nice and direct ferocious defence good kicking game but all this attack just seemed a little bit fluffy and it, it didn't lead to anything I'm interested Dylan you might laugh at this you might scoff at this I always am interested certainly around the international periods to, to read the column of Sir Clive Woodward I won't name the newspaper that he writes that for but he does have a column and, and what he's been bemoaning not just in the last few internationals he's actually in fairness to him he's been consistent to this he feels that the players are there but Eddie's not getting his selection right he feels that Eddie is still mixing and matching, he's not quite settled on the 15 that Clive feels is evidently there to take this England team on. Do you agree with that assertion? Um, I'm not sure. Clive, Clive says <laughs> so he, he's got to retain that column somehow, yeah, so you're always going to fire a few grenades out there, you know. But um, it has been one of his, his themes, I suppose, in his his uh, analysis over the years is, is, is his team selections. I suppose playing to what I just said previous, it's picking a team that plays to how you want to play. Yeah. And I think when England had the sort of team that they had at the weekend, they're really kind of big bruising ball carriers. They should play to that strength for 80, 90% of the game. Whereas I think playing all this kind of fluffy stuff and, and creating the shape out the back, isn't playing to their strengths, and if I'm honest, I thought they looked a bit um, they looked a bit gas. They looked a bit tired in that game. I don't know if the, the travel had got them, but in terms of um, you know selection, going back to Clive's point, you know we can all pick our favourite players. You know we all want this player to play ten. Everyone wants Marcus Smith to play ten, and after the weekend, there's question marks over him over one game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you you got to be kind of wary of newspapers and, and people's opinion, and you know Marcus Smith and, and Owen Farrell. Are they the, the kind of combination that are going to win a World Cup for England? If so, they need this sort of formative time to, to gel. And, and, you know, do we look at long term or do we judge them on short term? And I'll tell you what, professional sport, we always judge short term. So, I don't know. Has Eddie got a plan? I'm sure he's got an idea of how he sees his kind of World Cup final team in, in 18 months or a year's time. Uh, and he's kind of building towards that. Um, but then, you know, selections, Henry uh, Arundel that comes on, touches the ball for the first time, scores a wonder try. Where do you put him in the team now? Do you put him at fullback and, mm-hmm. and remove Freddie Stewart? But, you know, Sir Clive would say something like that. You know, Freddie Stewart was immaculate at the he weekend. Was. So I'm, I'm not sure. Selection's always a tough one. We always want our favourite players in there, you know. Uh, nice to see Danny. I, I did message Danny Care. Uh, good lad. He's been over in this part a lot. I, I like him a lot. He was chuffed to bits to get back in. Got to argue his form has has deserved that recall to the side. Uh, are you in favour of Danny being back in that team? And did you feel that he covered himself in distinction? Yeah, oh, I, I think he did. If you look at the strengths of, say, Marcus Smith and what makes him tick every week, it's the guy that um, obviously gives him the ball every week, and that's Danny Kerr. And I think in, in that position at nine, you know, being a little general, if you look at the Premiership final, Richard Wigglesworth, nearly 40 years old, starting that game. The fact that Danny's still playing, you know, he's the same age as me. We played all our youth rugby together. It's a less attritional position, and the longer that you're in it, I suppose your experience, and why Ben Youngs has been around yeah. for so long, your, your experience is invaluable. Um yeah, so I, I thought it was, it was great to see him back there after four years. And I'm not going to lie, when I got the Dubai Sharks role, he did send me a, a kind of eyes emoji saying, do you need a, a skills attack <laughs> attack coach? So maybe in a few years, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if Danny wants to come out to, 
to, to join us. We're not sure. But yeah. no, chuffed to see him back, honestly. Watch this space on Danny. I think it wouldn't take two invites to get him over here when he's done and dusted in the game. Let's get to it then, Dylan. We've danced around it, spoken to an awful lot of England fans in the last 48 hours. Let's put this to bed. When you were on the show, you spoke eloquently about the strengths of Eddie Jones. You made no secret of the fact that Eddie is someone who's had a huge impact in your career in a positive way. Let's just call it what it is now. If England do go on to lose this series 3-zip, which is a possibility, you mentioned Brisbane, they then go into the third test, they may be 2-0 down, they may be shattered mentally, physically. Eddie Jones is going nowhere before next year's World Cup, is he? No. I think, like, if you strip back my clear bias towards Eddie, because I had such a kind of good time, well, it was a, t- a torrid time, actually, if I'm honest, but I got he got a lot out of me, and um, we were very successful um, with our relationship, which was great. Um, and I've obviously worked with him, so I do have a bias. Um, but if, even if we strip that out and just look at it objectively, why would you remove a guy seven years in a row, a year out from uh, a, you know the, the big stage? Because ultimately, that's what he'll be judged on. And as long as he's got an understanding in that inner sanctum that that's what he's judged on, um, I think that's fine. But, um, you know, just for an example, I had um, three managers in my time. I had Martin Johnson, Stuart Lancaster and Eddie Jones. Eddie's the first guy that's had continuity between a World Cup cycle. So, you know, Martin Johnson's the first guy. Stuart Lancaster comes in, removes the whole backroom staff, removes all the players, the playing philosophy, the culture. Whereas Eddie's had, you know, seven years to kind of build that. Um, and I think that's invaluable when, when you think about just turfing a player out. And the All Blacks, um, I can assure you, have been so successful because there's always been continuity in their culture. They've always promoted from within. So there's not never wholesale change. It's just evolution instead of revolution. Yeah. So, um, you know, I would, um, you know, just to, to wrap that up quickly, in 2018, um, we'd won two Six Nations back-to-back. And then the third year, we came fifth, which was like the worst in history. You know, to have your fingerprints on that as an English player, and, and certainly myself as the captain, we don't talk about that. But a year later, this is what can happen in a year. England, you know, blow the All Blacks off the park in a World Cup semi-final, and they fall short in a World Cup final. So, you know, rugby's, um, you know, a year in rugby's a long time and a short time, if that makes sense. Yeah. A lot can happen. Um, so, you know, I, I was thinking about Andy Farrell, the, the Irish going out to New Zealand, you know, the, the top dogs, the, the beat the All Blacks in the last few meets. Um, themselves in France is sort of the barometer in Northern Hemisphere rugby at the moment. But Andy Farrell's already, you know, 2-0 down, one against the Maori and one against the All Blacks. It's, you know, is it wholesale change if they lose 5-0 in New Zealand? I don't think we're calling for Andy Farrell's head, are we? It's um, a little bit of um, calm, a little yeah. bit of perspective and just, you know, big ticket is in a year's time at Rugby World Cup. Eddie Jones should employ Dylan Hartley as his official spokesperson or agent. I think he kind of does. He's he's let Dylan loose in the media realms and that helps kind of keep the narrative. Listen, Dylan owes him a lot. He said there the Eddie bias. You know, Dylan's been in the, you know, been in that kind of dressing room. He he sees day to day the way that Eddie Jones works and he's not going to stick the boots in now. I, I politely disagree with Dylan. I think this England team under Eddie Jones, I think that message is stale now. I think Eddie, hindsight is a wonderful thing, I get it right, but I look at what they've done, England, since that World Cup final defeat. And I've got to say this, I think they've gone backwards. I think well, Of course England, they've gone backwards. I think ultimately that message 
Eddie Jones. But that might not be so, so much to do with Jones as to the players and their natural peak as well. That's it's a different it. team now. He picked the team though, right? He's got to, you know, the the rugby, the play, the the product they produce, Rob. Is... But they're not that. They're not as good as they, they like they to think be, they are. But they should be, Rob. They're they're the richest rugby union on the planet. They've got more players than any country. And again, there's no divide, right? At the end of the day. You need to win on the field of play. And I just think England, and even the most ardent of England fans, as Dylan is, are they really where they should be with the quality that he's got? Are they really playing the brand of rugby that, that I think they've got in that quality? And I said it to, to Dylan again, he's reticent, I get it, right? He calls some of these boys mates. Owen Farrell, it was put to me in the weekend, where else do England go? And, and listen, that, that's for... You know, I don't know where they go at 12. If you've got Manny Tualagi, who I know is better at 13 than 12. I know they've got their injury problems. Uh, Mr. Slade, Ali Slade, etc. But Owen Farrell, I said it in the question there to Dylan, I look at Marcus Smith, who is this swashbuckling, let him off the leash. I don't think Owen Farrell helps that. But equally, I don't think the tactics from Eddie Jones helps. Marcus Smith is mercurial. I'd want him to be the Pied Piper and lead this new kind of England side that is young and, and can be swashbuckling if let off the leash and Eddie Jones is not doing that no no he's not at the and, moment and Owen Farrell as well great player the pressure just, will build if they continue on this vein of form that's no doubt about that I think I think I think Dylan's spot on. Eddie's going nowhere. Well, it's the Eddie's, Southgate effect, isn't it? I mean, not Southgate's been very successful, don't be wrong. Eddie's yeah. in that job until the end of the World Cup. Yeah, pretty much. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 